Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glenelg Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, May 15th, 2022. I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor. Hi, everyone. I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady, and I serve as senior pastor here at Glenelg Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. What's up? What's Welcome your name back. Again? What's your... <laughs> I'm checking out the church, and I thought I'd come in today and help out with the podcast. Someone legit asked me yesterday if you were done. My name is Somebody asked me the exact same. Seriously? A month. It's been a month. It's been four weeks I've been off. This is the longest I've ever been off the platform. is Matt okay? Is he really sick, or what's going on? So just so you know, and I love it, we don't... We didn't talk about where Matt was because it's not fair to a staffer to say, hey, they're on vacation and their house is completely empty. <laughs> Anybody listening, help right. yourself to their stuff. Right. You know, so Come on, I Matt. can so, see why people would wonder. Sure. Well, so we well, you took, were sick and then so we took a two week vacation. vacation, which yeah. we've never done before. Mm-hmm. We've always had one week, but mm-hmm. this year we did two weeks. I would highly recommend it, by the way, if you can mm-hmm. pull it off. Um, and then right. And, and so we left. Uh, April, th- we were supposed to leave April 30. The year of our Lord, what? The year of our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, right, after, right after Easter, I got sick. Well, we all got sick. And everyone in the family dealt with it in three to four days. And I took two weeks. It was terrible. I even had it on vacation for a while. Like it just, I could not shake it. I thought I was getting better after four or five days. I did some yard work. I came into work. We did the podcast. And that was just after the podcast, I was like, oh, wow. You tried to give I'm it to done. everybody else. <laughs> I did, I did. so strange, people getting sick for long periods of time. <laughs> so unusual. <laughs> Took the code test, it was negative. <laughs> I, so, but uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, so right now I'm like, so, you know how it is after you've been really sick and you're just like, oh, I'm so glad to be healthy and mm. yeah. breathing and, and feeling good and, oh, man. It just stinks. Welcome back, man. Yeah, so that's that's why I was out for four weeks. It was just supposed to be a couple and ended up being four. So thankfully, we have some rock stars in the ministry. We have some really solid leaders, and they just mm. stepped up and took well, you it. You weren't really here for the last four weeks, so let's just... Hey, I watched. Kidding. I watched I'm online. Joking. I'm excited. I mean, awesome. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for Sunday. Great. I'm excited to get back. It Online church is not... not it just It does not do it. Yeah. Like we watch yeah. the services and it just not, it's just not the same, man. Like, yeah. ah, so I'm excited to get back with so the congregation. Yesterday afternoon, I texted Matt. I said, hey, the lyric, my anchor holds within the veil. Veil was spelled V-A-L-E. Yeah, that's right, man. And I texted him, can we get, can we not get spelling right? So I said, veil is, and I, I said, it's not a wedding veil. So, so. And then he educated me on, yeah. well, a, a veil is actually a small body of water or something. It's like a comb. It's a, a, it's a cove yeah. type yeah. of thing. Didn't know that. There you no, go. I didn't know that until a year and a half ago. Let me guess. <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> yeah. It, I, it, I can't remember. It was, either, it was either Wigman or Larsman. They came up and lovingly was like, hey, you know, so actually. You spelled it wrong. <laughs> is, yeah. No, even worse. I went into an explanation oh. of my anchor holds behind the, uh, within the veil. I was thinking the, the, right. the veil like a, of God yeah. but in the Holy of Holies, which 
I, I always thought that, but mm-hmm. then I also always thought that is a weird way to say that. The veil is torn. Why are we talking yeah. about the veil? Like we don't but need the veil anymore. It's actually a body of water. Mm-hmm. It is V A L E. Thus the anchor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the that whole line is uh, uh, what is it? Um, so the point is, Kelly's going to sing it in a second. So the point is that you're anchored in this calm body of water through Christ. In yeah. yes, in every high and That's stormy, beautiful. in mm-hmm. every high and stormy gale, which is a storm, storm. at sea, yeah. my anchor holds within the veil v-a-l-e in calm waters in the cove ported they just needed a a word to rhyme with gale (laughs) no i know right uh stale (laughs) these chips are stale no that doesn't work uh kale i like i eat kale no i went to i got kale coming up in my garden already oh my gosh (laughs) the craziest thing about being gone for a couple weeks there was well, that four separate neighbors mowed your lawn? That's amazing, <laughs> by the way. You didn't even ask them, did you? No, but... At, <laughs> which is irritating. <laughs> no, I just... Our grass grew like crazy, like everyone else's did. But what's crazy is we, when we left, there was hardly any green anywhere. And we came back, and it was just like, boom, we're in the middle of summer. It yeah. happens in like a month when you're gone. Wow. <laughs> One twelfth of the year. <laughs> it's called a season. <laughs> oh, Read a question. All right, here we go. Is it ethical to sneak Bibles into a country that doesn't want Bibles brought in? I'm concerned that Christians not flaunt the law of a sovereign nation. You know, actually, as I was preaching through and talking about Brother Andrew doing that, it occurred to me, I bet someone's going to ask the ethical question. Uh, what about... Uh, Christians uh, contravening the laws of a sovereign nation and, and when have you gone too far and that type of thing. And so the first thing that came to mind for me was, do you think it was ethical uh, for um, Nazi resistors to hide Jews to protect their lives? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think of um, the Dutch actually uh, played a huge role in that. And um, saving uh, Jews from being shipped off to concentration camps by the Nazis. And then I thought, is it, was it ethical for the midwives in Pharaoh's day, the, the scriptural is Exodus 1, 15, for the midwives to, to lie about the, the successful birthing of Jewish babies. The Pharaoh wanted them put to death, male children put to death. You remember Moses, this is actually how his life was spared. And, but they lied to Pharaoh saying that the, the Israelites' uh, women are not like Egyptian women. Uh, they deliver before we get there, the midwives said. Uh, but the truth is they were, uh, they were delivering these babies successfully to protect life. And then I was thinking of, of Matthew uh, 10, 16, be as wise as serpent as innocent does. And so I think for me, the short of it is when it comes to this type of ethical issue, uh, we need to recognize that some laws are unethical in that they, they contravene uh, the will of God. And so keeping people from the gospel or keeping people from scripture is, is contrary to a moral law that, that God has ordained. Um, and so I think it's fine to sneak Bibles in. Into, would anything strike you guys? I actually have snuck Bibles into China. Oh, tell it. So uh, for a while, I worked with a group that was doing some work in China, and they translated the scripture into, into Mandarin, but then they added alongside of it what they called a preacher's commentary. So one of the, the things that's lacking in, in some of the places like China 
is educate the ability for preachers to and church leaders to get formal education. And so they created a commentary to go alongside this translation. So we were going to meet them in um, in China. I flew with a friend separately, and we we're going to meet them in China. And they they sent us this box of these Bibles with these commentaries with specific instructions what to say how to get them in yeah because if they flew with them or if you know it could be it could have been an issue so at the time it didn't seem like that big of a deal and then when we got to china we had several meetings i think about a a dozen or so with different church leaders in private places where then we gave them these commentaries unbelievable experience unbelievable Bring, experience. Bringing the word of God to like somebody. We would show up in a restaurant and the people had already arrived in a private room at the restaurant. Uh, and then we would have the leads leave separately so that it didn't look like we were meeting with these folks there. And uh, it was an incredible experience. And then to hear testimony about the church uh, growing and thriving, uh, the house church movement and all that yeah. in China, in, these, in a, a really closed... Uh, country and a, a country where the government is actually opposed to, and what these families had gone through. That I mean, there was a, a, a couple that we met with that was leading this church, and the government's move to try to out them was to go after their children. One of their their sons was a pilot in a Chinese airline who flew internationally gets on the plane to get back and they won't let him back into the country because of his parents, mm-hmm. his family. So he's, he can't come back into China. Hmm. And that's their strategy at trying to, to inhibit the gospel. So anyway, I, there's definitely, I think, Kelly, your way of saying it, that there are some laws that are, are anti... That are contrary to God. Yeah, they, right. And... I mean, let's admit there's, uh, there's several uh, ways that you can interpret laws and people that behave in certain way, you know, well, I don't pay taxes because I don't want my money to go to this and this. I mean, right. there's a lot of dis- discussion, but I think there's some, some things that are really clear in black and white. Um, I think you're, you made the point, too, that Brother Andrew was willing to accept the consequences. Totally. Like he knew that this was uh, illegal and that he would... Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he could lose his life for doing this. So I, I don't know. I, I think your point of it's a great adventure following Jesus. And at one point you said, um, if you're following Jesus, you are being led to share the gospel. And I mean, some people's adventures are a little bit more risky than others. That's kind of how I'm like, I don't feel called to a closed country right now, smuggling in Bibles, given my mm-hmm. current life circumstance. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's in my future. I don't know. But if that's the calling God has on you, you're more in line with God's will to be obedient to that calling than the law that you're breaking. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, oh, totally. For me, it strikes me as almost a, a, non-violence, a non-violent resistance yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to the spiritual evils. To lock the gospel out of a country is to, per, is to put people's eternities mm-hmm. at risk. That's why I brought up you know, hiding Jews from mm-hmm. Nazi collection, right? right? That was a life and death issue. Uh, the midwives of Pharaoh's day, that was a life and death issue. They spared the Israelite children. Well, there's an equally 
if not greater, life and death issue when people's eternities hang in the balance. And there's, so there's this, Brother Andrew knew the consequences, and so he was resisting the authority of these closed countries, but in a nonviolent way. I think it, it should be stated that when, when Christians have historically become violent, then we're, we're outside uh, an ethical uh, that's immoral in my estimation to become violent mm -hmm. in the overthrow of a nation because, for example, that they're Muslim. So the, the Crusaders became violent yeah. uh, in order to try and uh, win nations for Christ, quote unquote. And so we look, that is unethical. I think a John Brown, um, famous uh, abolitionist, he actually killed a slave owner. Mm -hmm. So he was a, a white pastor in uh, the 1850s who thought violence was appropriate in order to eradicate slavery from our nation. And there, I would say, no, that's unethical. Uh, the bombing of abortion clinics. Right, the bombing of abortion th yeah. Things like that. Mm -hmm. While we're on the topic of uh, Brother Andrew, oh. I, I, everybody should read that book. Absolutely. Uh, I read it back, you know, I grew up in Dutch world. You're the one that turned, so it on to, it turned me on to I it. I read again. some of it back in high school, but... Um, got the audible book and just started listening to it just to be encouraged to be more brave and hear stories of, of not just personal bravery, but, but listening to the Holy spirit and acting in faith and being courageous. And you know, if you want to be encouraged in your, in your faith, go for it. What I thought was really interesting though, and, and it wasn't the point of you bringing it up. Wasn't, um, you didn't need to make this point on Sunday. He started very small. He started going to Poland, and then he he grew. Yeah, he went as a visitor, like a tourist almost. The slowness to which he got to the point of publishing seven million dollars yeah. worth of pocket Bibles for China yeah. is is really encouraging. Decades so, of faithfulness. Decades and and the slowness at which he he took risks of faith. The there was a. I hate to say it, but there was a practicality that went along with his, his humbly following God. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just, I think we can get like stuck. Well, am I supposed to smuggle into China? Well, the story of Brother Andrew would say, yeah, maybe, but take the first step right. and then the next step and then the next step and God will be in it all along the way, encouraging him. And he had the, he called it the inner circle was where he was targeting and he had no idea even how closed China was at the time he started going into Russia. I mean, it was so fascinating. Do you, do you remember people would come up to him and hear what he was doing? They say, Oh, I want to join you in that. I, I want to get Bibles behind yeah. the, he'd say, uh, if I see you behind the iron curtain, maybe we can partner. Right. <laughs> it took him, I think it was six years before he brought on the first, the, the first guy? Yeah, a first partner in ministry. And then a second vehicle. And yeah. If you have interest in Brother Andrew, go to uh, opendoorsusa.org. That's his website and his ministry of getting Bibles to closed nations. Opendoorsusa.org. All right, let's go to the next one. Have you read the book, When Helping Hurts? I understand some churches are getting away from short-term trips to avoid doing long-term damage. What say you? Yeah, I'm familiar with the book. I think there's wisdom uh, to be careful in our travels when we visit missionaries that, um, that we're not doing more damage than good. Um, 
John, I actually think you probably have more expertise here than I do. Yeah, I think there's, I don't know more about expertise, but I've done a lot of short-term trips. I used to work for an organization that led them, but um, there's a lot of good evidence that, that short-term missions trips can be damaging when done with the wrong purpose, vision, posture, all those sorts of things. But there's also good evidence that short-term missions can do a lot of good as well on both um, both the those that are going and those that are receiving. And um, what are the concerns in, raised in the book, or a concern yeah, with helping hurts? It's economic damage. Yeah, there, there's some economic damage. There's some savior mentality. Like there's nothing good to offer from like let's, most short-term trips. Here come the Americans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of, uh, they're all dressed in the same t-shirts and they land on this plane and they're yeah. going to bring, you know, all the goodness. They're to rescuing. This, yeah, rescuing and saving and they've got all the answers. And instead of a service learning opportunity where you're both exchanging. Um, good, mutual influence. Yeah, yeah, mutual influence. So we have worked really hard at partnering with people and organizations that, um, that's, that understand that exchange rather than a one-way experience where our, the, those that are going are, are, are um, receiving from people who are willing to give as well, mm-hmm. the, willing to work and learn uh, together, have an experience together. We've also uh, been uh, really focused on the relational aspect. So we're, we're connecting and relating to people, not just... Um, coming to do something so there's economic things you know like a whole i mean imagine if you're a home builder the in the united states fan. and a whole bunch of people come over from you know <laughs> and build norway and say you know yeah. hey we're gonna build a house now it's like well wait i built houses now i can't feed my family mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. being really uh, thoughtful through all that like what kind of work projects are we doing and are mm-hmm. they taking jobs away from others or are they helping people get mm-hmm. jobs and so yeah and we also typically nine times out of ten nine and a half times out of ten we will visit only our missionaries we don't go to random places mm-hmm. and drop in in other words we have long-term relationships and we're trusting our missionaries on the ground there to be empowering locals and to help us mm-hmm. navigate so that we don't do harm yep mm-hmm. yeah we totally experienced this in a local setting, you know, at Naomi's house where everybody wants to get involved, which we love. We, we say all the time how much we need volunteers, but then the way people volunteer sometimes looks different than what they're expecting because it, you have to have a, a, a training and some expertise and some longevity and consistency to be kind of mentoring or side by side with women in our program where a lot of times we need people to come do yard work and yeah. paint paint projects and those types of things, which maybe aren't as glamorous and what they're looking for, but it does, this savior mentality is a really tricky one. And it's hard to tell someone who's eager to do a short-term mission trip or a service project or want to get involved because they care about the issue and, and have to explain, well, it actually might look a little different. It's not so much about you as it is what's best for the organization. And that's a hard, mm-hmm. it's, it's not always easy to communicate to that to somebody who's has a good, their heart's in the right place. Um, but you have to kind of educate them a little bit on what actually is helpful. Mm-hmm. All right. So Number three. three. Is GEBC looking to take on new missionaries? What does that process entail? Who do we say no to and why do we say no? We typically say no to missionaries looking for support who are not uh, attached, uh, 
who have not attended our church, put it that way. We prefer to home grow our missionaries. So typically, again, 9.9 times out of 10, for, for us to support a missionary and send them out, they have attended our church for a number of years. We typically say no to missionaries with whom we can't send teams to visit them. So if they're serving in an area that we can't, if all they want is funding, then it's hard to truly partner with them. So we're looking for homegrown folks that, that will send out and then we can go visit them and partner with them in tangible, hands-on ways. Uh, we typically say no to missionaries that are, are not reaching lesser reached areas or who are not empowering locals to do the ministry. Uh, we don't want to go with a, a savior mentality. We want to bless um, the nations by uh, being a part of the gospel and then empowering them to reach mm -hmm. those, those people groups. And so, and yes, we're looking for missionaries that are homegrown, that are going to lesser reached areas of the globe and who are focused on empowering locals in the ministry on the ground and with whom we can partner with whom we can to whom we can send groups from our church so there are some yes we're looking for more missionaries but within a, a pretty rigorous uh criteria and what would be the reason why we couldn't send teams to minister well, there could be safety reasons. Right. Um, so for, we have missionaries in the Congo, and the Congo is the deep end of the pool. It, it's not easy to get there. It's not easy to be there. Uh, there is some risks, like the, the LRA is very active around Mboligihi's uh, ministry area, Mboligihi's ministry area. I just love saying their names. Um, and so it's, it's dangerous. It's remote. Um, and... I think, uh, you know, we've sent a couple teams, but when I say teams, I say, I mean, teams of two, teams yeah. of three, and very mature in their faith, knowing what they're getting into. Um, and so we, and a team of two is a great team to send. Um, so, um, and then there are some missionaries, take for example, um, Missionaries, oh, there's there's limited opportunity for involvement in, say, a correspondence course. So, for years, Dave Bile ran a correspondence course out of Turkey, and so partnering with him um, was hard because a lot of their their work was online, and we had to be very creative uh, about how to how to be partners. It, it took time, but there's just um, yeah, there are some natural uh, barriers to yeah. yeah. And when we say teams, we don't mean, you know, 75 high schoolers. Right. There are, there, we've sent, you know, twos and threes yeah. to go visit and, and encourage people realizing, you know, in some of the harder, more closed areas. Right. Know. Well, that's kind of what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, does that, um, does that rule or sort of, you know, not, not sending somebody to a place where we can't send people, does that prevent us from going into... It doesn't. So that's not what I have in mind. It's, it's so, um, it can be back and forth, too. Like, yeah. And sometimes places change, right? Like yeah. over time, like yeah. sometimes places become like, you know, red, high red alert right. areas where... Right. We just, we want to be careful that, um, that there's a, 
mutual influence, that there's a true partnership, that there's, it, it's not just a funding mentality. Gotcha. When I came to Glenelg Bible Church in 93, uh, 94, we had, I think, 50 missionaries on the payroll, some of whom we never visited. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying we, we want a, a different experience. We want yeah. true partners, and, and that takes time to cultivate. And Yeah. All right, let's go to, go to the next one. Mm-hmm. It is so hard for me to share my faith. I am naturally shy and worried about offending people. I hate conflict. How do I overcome this? It's a great question. Um, I, I, Simone, you had mentioned earlier that why is it we think it's always going to end in conflict? You know, why, why is that kind of our presumption when I go to share my faith? So I, I would agree. There's... There are a lot of opportunities to share um, that aren't going to be conflictual or, mm-hmm. or difficult. I was thinking uh, it's like you're offering someone who's thirsty cold water. Mm-hmm. So are they going to, I mean, they might not want it. They, they might not be interested in what you're offering. But when it's spirit led and you're hopefully walking in the spirit and in obedience, mm-hmm. I would hope that most times it doesn't lead to conflict. It leads to you know, life transformation or a seed planted or, you know, a, I'm, so I just looked at that question and thought, oh, it's interesting. I wonder why this person is assuming mm-hmm. it's going to lead to conflict. Yeah. yeah and I think people have, um, people are, everybody is a little bit different, right? Some, like some people are shy. Their personality doesn't, yeah. doesn't, um, they're, they're afraid. Well, I, you know, it's hard for me to say, I'm naturally shy. I'm worried about offending people. Well, I don't engage with strangers right. easily. It may be that you have uh, a method or a picture of what sharing your faith looks like that is incorrect because you think my personality can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's my experience that, that if your character is one where you want to be in step with the Spirit and you're following Christ and you have a, a desire to share your faith, that the Holy Spirit will work with you and put you in situations and you, you'll have to take risks for sure, but it will match mm-hmm. in some way, shape, yeah. or form your, yeah. your personality. Yeah, I so I, I want to be careful to say, well, just because you're shy doesn't mean you, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have to share your faith in a certain way. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I want to say not everybody shares their faith the quickly and easily and naturally mm-hmm. like Kelly does in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. If that's your vision of what sharing the gospel looks like, I mean, that, that's actually a rarer form of evangelism yeah. than the way that 90% of people come to faith. It's much more personal, relational, mm-hmm. neighborly um, type experience. So look for ways to use your gifts and your personality and how God's wired you and integrate evangelism right. into, into that. And the word have to, too, a part of the question. I want to encourage this person, like, if this is a life-changing work in your own life, um, maybe start praying. I mean, I can say that I've done this. Start praying for mm, um, a I different perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to, I have to do this. Like right. I heard this from the sermon on Sunday, so now right. I feel guilty right. and I, I don't do this enough. And ask God to change your perspective on this. You saved my life, Jesus. Right. This is the best news I've ever, yeah. I could ever share. And to ask God for opportunities that emboldens you versus makes you feel out of yeah. your comfort zone. Uh, like you just said, God it's will not, match. Yeah. You. yeah, yeah. It's not door-to-door yeah. sight 
writing sales where you gotta meet a you gotta meet a quota. Yes. You know, it's it's, Thank a, it's truly good news. It is. Yeah. And yes. it should be out of who you are and it should be relational and it should be um, in step with your personality. I love the distinction right. you're drawing there between personality and character. If if you're shy and that's why evangelism is hard, then you need training. Mm, you sure. need training mm-hmm. about how you'll naturally or best yeah. uh, share given your personality mm-hmm. type. I'm I'm kind of uh, out there. I'm not a private person. I'm talking a lot about myself. And Sherry and I do evangelism very different. She's more naturally private, more introverted. So it's a training issue for depending on your personality. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's um, you're afraid, that's a character issue, and you want to ask God for boldness. Right. And so I think y'all are making great points. I would begin praying, Lord, why? Why is this hard for me? Why do I dread it? Is it because I don't know the beauty? I'm mm. not fully aware of the goodness of the gospel? Is it my personality and I need some training about how best I can do it? Is it a character issue and I'm afraid and I need to mature? So just asking for clarity in those ways. And I mean, then I, I Go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's also important to ask yourself, Um, you know, are you somebody who really cares what other people think about you? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's a character issue. It's a character Mm -hmm. issue and it could be from maybe that's kind of how you were raised and you need to go through some counseling or some other things. I was somebody who deeply cared what Mm. other people thought of me Mm -hmm. in my teens, into my twenties, maybe early thirties. I was just all in as I've matured and dealt with that. Um, it makes me more comfortable because I could see this being a roadblock to sharing your faith because I just don't want them to think I'm this crazy blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And we're neighbors and, and then they're just going to mm-hmm. think I'm crazy, you know. But, you know, I was thinking about also, I was thinking about something you shared a while back. Like, look, if, if this is, because it, it may turn into conflict. I've shared my faith before and it got Sure. Pretty, especially especially um, with a loved one. You can say, especially it turned your, to it tears. hard with family. In it, your family. Yes. It can it, be It, can it be turned hard. to tears. It turned to argument. Like yeah. it just got shut down. But typically, if someone's going to get offended by this, they're going to get offended pretty early on and let you know, dude, I'm not talking about this. Yeah. Like I was thinking about your yeah. example, Kelly. Yeah. Um, I had a neighbor say, I don't want to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you're I, like, I, okay, no I see where you're going, yeah. and we're not going to go. <laughs> so there. tomorrow, how are you free tomorrow? <laughs> There's some great ways, though, too, to, I mean, I, some practical tips, you know, for people to get into the water with people. It's largely been my experience, and I don't know about you guys, but right now, it, where we live, culture, like, most people have thought through church and whether they're going to go or not. Most people have thought through Jesus at some level and whether they believe him or not. Like spiritual point. conversations are, are, um, are pretty easy to have yeah. in our world right now, so in so our culture right now. And everybody's I mean, stressed. The, the issue, the, the news issues are, are mm-hmm. often about church and like, you know, the abortion thing that's going on right now and, and all those things. You know, there's, there are church and Christianity and morality conversations all over the place. And, and there's some ways to enter into those conversations by asking people simple things, you know, like, oh, are you a churchgoer? Or where do you guys go to church? Do you, you know, did you ever go to church? I mean, there's ways to kind of start some of those conversations and, and, and then listen. Mm-hmm. What? L- yeah, <laughs> listening to people mm-hmm. talk about their experience. I think or, you're going. Go ahead. You're going back to training. Yeah, I, I, right. I, like this is so tangible and practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there's training classes here. 
before I ask that. We have, <laughs> no, absolutely, we have. Let me give some, uh, just really, it made me think of some, so after you've prayed and you've done your best to discern is this personality or character, uh, set some really attainable goals. Um, so the first goal is pray. I, you know, pray daily. Identify one or two people that, that are far from Christ and, and you want to share your faith with. And just begin with prayer. Just, I, can you, Lord, would you give me the opportunity? God answers those prayers, guaranteed. I, maybe memorize every conversion narrative in the Bible. Wow. Just take Saul's conversion uh, on, on the road to Damascus and just read that daily. These are, these are goals that set us on fire for evangelism. Uh, find conversion stories. I, you know, Brother Andrew's story, yeah. it's great, um, about him carrying Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. But at the beginning of the book, he's very detailed about how he comes to faith in Christ, and it's phenomenal and hugely encouraging. So reading other people's conversion stories is powerful and will set us on fire to share our faith. And then, John, you had already brought it up. Find key phrases that you can say in conversation that you're hoping open doors. My, I love, are you a churchgoer? Mm-hmm. So, so how about this? Every, almost every Monday, someone will say, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? I went to church. And just, you don't have to say it like that, but my yeah. point is, you're ready to drop something into the conversation. Uh, you just brought up stresses and how stressed. How about this as a lead in? Man, how do you handle the stresses these days? And yeah. listen. Yeah. And they say, I don't know. I, here's my favorite. I say it all the time in popular, uh, when I'm in my daily life, I'm out in the community, I say, there is a lot to pray about these days. And wait to see how people respond. And they'll usually say, there is. There's no end of opportunities to pray. And then maybe there's things I can follow up on. So yeah, there, I think there's a lot of tangible uh, little short-term goals to grow us in our ability to share our mm-hmm. faith. And I would, I would add just one more thing of yeah. encouragement's sake. Um, to remind yourself that the person's salvation does not hang in the balance of how you interact with them, the strength of your argument. Like, yeah, yeah, you want to be ready. You want to be ready to provide a defense for the the joy that you have, right? But, like, you're not going to screw up their salvation. There's no perfect words Mm -hmm. that get somebody to heaven. No. There's no (laughs) imperfect... Which goes back to what Kelly was saying. Read the conversion stories in the Bible. Like, those are all acts and movements of God, which we get to participate in, which is awesome, but you you have no reason Mm -hmm. to fear it. That's right. A hopeful urgency is often what I say. Like, we need to be urgent in the communication of our faith, but we need to know that there's hopefulness in it. Like, it's not despair... Mm-hmm. You know, and, right. and we can have a long-term perspective on our conversations and relationships with people, um, realizing that, you know, some people it takes 15 years of slow, steady, consistent, you know, witness in some way, yeah. shape, or form with that per- person before they come alive. Other people, it's, it's in a moment. It's mm-hmm. in a meeting. Mm-hmm. It's going to an event or whatever, and it's, that all comes together for them. So, yeah. And we don't work alone. Right, no, right. We're, team effort. We're, we're team effort. Yep. We're working with other believers. Be with, you know, and you're working with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. You get to come alongside the Holy Spirit, be a part of it. Um, Remember what Paul said. And have I joy planted, in it. Paul said, "I planted, Apollos watered." Yes, right. God, God gave, gave the, the growth. growth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So play your part yep. on yeah. the team. 
That's great. All right, uh, last one. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. In the Hudson Taylor example, you listed a number of ways in which he worked to assimilate with the Chinese culture, including food, clothes, hair, language, studying their history, and studying their philosophy. He was harshly criticized by Christians for his assimilation within their culture and accused of being accommodating to sin. The list provided includes examples that are all non-moral in nature and are not directly contrary to scripture. So based on what we know, it appears to be unfair criticism. How do we as a church today reach our culture without accommodating sinful behaviors like drunkenness, sexual behaviors outside God's design, abortion, greed, selfishness, lust? How do we love our non-believing neighbors while maintaining biblical standards on morality and clearly teaching the gospel? Great question. Mm-hmm. Um, Welcoming sinners without affirming sinful behaviors is an ongoing and important um, work among believers. And I, do th- I think we should be slow in dismissing um, t- Hudson Taylor's cultural adaptations as inconsequential simply because they were n- non-moral. They were seen in their day wearing the clothes that the Chinese wore, cutting your hair with the, I think it was the, um, I'm going to goof this up, Queen Dynasty hairstyle with this single mm-hmm. ponytail for men. Uh, these uh, accommodations or inculturations were seen by Christians as a part of unredeemed culture, a culture saturated by Buddhism and Confucianism in theology and philosophy, and they were, they were seen as potentially the first step in watering down the gospel. They were seen as slippery slope behaviors. That's why, so I, we look back and we say, so he ate their food and he dressed like they dressed and he cut the hair. Well, that's fair that we look back that way, but in his day, it was, it was seen as slippery slope behavior. And so let's not blow by it. Uh, you know, over a hundred years later, we know it's not the case that Hudson Taylor uh, clung to the gospel, preached the gospel, that um, China Inland Mission was effective in preserving biblical standards of behavior. And he was trying to embrace, Taylor was trying hard to embrace those parts of the culture that could be embraced without sliding down the slippery slope of syncretism, which is the blending of different religions. Um, So I would say that doing that is really hard work. And it takes time. It takes a community effort. Uh, I think of in our in our own culture, um, clothing um, can be can be critiqued as caving into culture. Clothing. I'll give you an example. Some clothing, and, and there are families at Lone Bible Church that disagree on what clothes should be worn. I'm talking about modesty levels. Yeah. And so we try to be really patient with one another. Oh, you're caving uh, to the culture that, let's be honest, is awash in lust. I mean, <laughs> popular culture is just seething with, with lust. And so as Christians, we want to be in the world, but not of the world. Um, we want uh, to be careful. Uh, how about clothing that's extravagant? There's some sort of, I'll goof this up, but there's, uh, a Twitter feed that does nothing but critique pastors' clothing. Should pastors be wearing five hundred dollars sneakers? Five hundred dollars yeah. sneakers, and I I think that's a fair question. 
I say no. <laughs> I mean, simply because you can't afford them. <laughs> easy, easy for me to criticize. Come I, on. But I think we should be wrestling with that. I love the question. We should, but we should be gentle with each other. We, we shouldn't throw each other under the bus. And, and Hudson Taylor got thrown under the bus. I mean, it, it, it was a brutal, brutal assessment of his methodologies. And then it became character assassination. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready to go? Uh, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning into the next level. Boom! Prophecy.